Hey, hey, friends. This is Jessie DeShane, a chronic illness support coach and host over here on the Chronically Healing Podcast. When I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, I was scared and immediately started looking for support. After finding so much negativity in the autoimmune world, I decided to start a community that emphasizes positivity and healing. On this show, you will hear me have conversations with people just like you who are on their own unique healing journey with chronic illness. There might be a few tears, but you are guaranteed to have a bunch of laughs and lots and lots of love and support. Let's dive into the show. Hi friends, happy to have you back on the podcast. Today I am interviewing Jordan Ray, who is talking to us about her journey with Chiari malformation, which is something that I totally had to look up to understand even what it was. So I hope that you really love listening into her story. I loved listening to it and I can't wait for you all to hear it. So without further ado, listen on in. Hi, Jordan, and welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you today. I would like to jump right in and kind of have you tell us a little bit about your story, a little bit about you, and honestly, just take it away and tell us tell us all about you. Well, I will start at age four. Um, mm-hmm. I was born in Davie, Florida, and I moved to Wellington, Florida, and I've been here ever since. I'm 21 now. So when I was four, that's when I first started playing softball. My parents introduced me to the sport, and I absolutely fell in love with it right then and there. I think the first practice I probably did. Um, So I never looked back after that first game. And I played – I started eighth grade – or when I was eight, I started in uh, travel, which competitive travel. We were traveling everywhere throughout the states. And like I said, there's like no weekends free, no weekdays free because you're traveling all the time and you're working towards your goal. And my end goal was to play college softball. Mm -hmm. That was my family's goal and my goal. And I was really working towards it. So I get to middle school and I'm playing middle school ball, played all three years. I was a captain and um, coaches award. And then I get to high school. And I'm now a three-year varsity starter. And I'm now at my junior year of high school. And our district game, which is you, if you win in districts, you then move on to regionals and then from regionals to state. So it was a very important game. This was my junior year. I was 17. And I was running for a routine bunt that I successfully completed hundreds of times. And I blacked out on the field. So I was running and I hyperextended my neck. Mm-hmm. and I think I was on the ground for like three to five seconds that's what you know my teammates were telling me yeah um I got right back up and I went to my position I had an excruciating migraine horrible neck and back pain I didn't know what just happened I'm very clumsy and mm-hmm. I've been since I was little so everybody just thought oh Jordan fell again <laughs> you know yep. Yep. so um When I got back to third, I played third base, uh, the coach from the other team was right next to me, and he was just staring at me, and he knew something was wrong, because I just, I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Um, He called over the trainer, and this was the first inning of the game. He called over the trainer, and I kept telling everybody I was fine, even though I'm not, because how I am as an athlete, 
I can really be hurting like a 10 out of 10, let's say, and I will tell you I'm completely fine. Mm -hmm. Um, so the trainer kept examining me and by the fourth inning, she saw I was hysterically crying. The lights were expanding. The noise was deafening. And she's like, you're done. You can't play anymore. Mm. I would have probably played that whole game if she wasn't there. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I actually went to the sidelines. We were at Seminole Ridge High School and there's a really long sidewalk. Mm. And I was all the way at the end of the field, just kind of getting away from the noise and, and the lights. Um, I thought I was going to throw up the whole time. So after that game, I didn't go back to school for two weeks because wow. I just wasn't there. It just didn't go away. I, I don't really know how to explain it, how I felt. Like the pain I, or just all like mentally, I just, I, I don't know, you know, how to explain it really because you know, when you just feel off, Mm-hmm. I felt yeah. off for two weeks and we went to a, a orthopedic cause my neck was bothering me mm-hmm. and the orthopedics like, Oh, you're fine. You have whiplash. And you know, when you hear that, you're like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm being I'm too much with this. It's yeah. nothing's really going on. Yep. And, um, so I experienced 50 migraines straight. Oh my gosh. And I said to my mom, something is really wrong. And she called a neurosurgeon right away. And the fall was in April, Hmm. April 15th or April 13th. Um, So by the time I got to a neurosurgeon, it was in August. Okay. Wow. Yeah. But I was finally back in school after those two weeks. Okay. Uh, But I still wouldn't, could not process what a teacher was telling me. I I couldn't, um, this was my senior year of high school. Yeah. I couldn't, uh, talk to my friends in the way that I used to it just something was really off mm-hmm. um so by the time I got to the neurosurgeon he kind of said I think I know what you have he asked me he's like does it hurt to sneeze or cough and I'm like looking at him how did you know <laughs> um but I told him yeah like sneezing for me is really brutal mm. um so he he sent me for MRIs and CAT scans Mm-hmm. and the EEGs and, and all of that. And right away he saw Chiari malformation, mm-hmm. which is where your cerebellum mm-hmm. extends into your spinal canal, where your CSF flow gets blocked off to your brain. Oh, wow. You're actually born with this, okay. but I never had symptoms of it. I never had migraines. I would get a headache or two, you know, maybe one a month just mm-hmm. from being out in the sun. So a, a sun headache, sun migraine. Um, so I never had neck pain, never had back pain. Do most a lot people, of other, do most people that have that have consistent symptoms over time? Or is that just kind of, does it happen well, I've, like with you? I've noticed that something has to happen. So huh. my blackout mm-hmm. caused me to find what I have and for the symptoms to flare. Yeah. Wow. So, um, I forgot. Oh, um, I forgot where I was. (laughs) So, um, he diagnosed me. Mm -hmm. This was in September. I was still 17 when he diagnosed me five days later, I turned 18. Mm -hmm. So my surgery was scheduled for December 1st of 2015, which was 
three months after the diagnosis, he kind of said, hey, get ready, kid. You're about to have brain surgery. Yeah. So I went into the surgery. It was a nine-hour operation. What they do is kind of take the back of your skull out, and it's called a dura patch. Mm -hmm. So they put another skull piece from someone else to make the – Um, where the CSF flow goes, where the spinal fluid goes to make it larger. So there's more flow because they cannot move that cerebellum, which Mm -hmm. like I said, extends into your neck. They can't pick that up and move it. So they have to make a bigger area for the CSF flow to move up and down. Oh, wow. Wow. So like a big surgery for sure. Oh yeah, it was. (laughs) I think my surgery was at like 10 or 11 in the morning. I didn't get out of there till about seven or eight, the operating room. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and then I was in um, the kids ICU for about five days because I was still considered the kid. I just turned 18 and it's a brain surgery. It's not, you know, shoulder ankle surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after the surgery, it was a success. You look at my anatomy, it, it was a success, but I am still dealing with these horrible symptoms on a daily mm-hmm. and we're trying to find the relief and to manage this pain, but we have not found it yet. Yeah. So is it still the migraines? Like what, explain what your, the pain is that you're feeling. You had also mentioned um, dealing with brain fog too. So mm-hmm. yeah, the migraines are absolutely the worst. I mean, yeah. if I, I can deal with the neck, shoulder, back pain, mm-hmm. but the migraines, I just, I really need to get them under control. Mm-hmm. I have about five a week. Oh my gosh. And it's not a three out of 10. It's a 10 out of 10 where yeah. I just, I can't get out of bed, but I have to, Yeah. to get, you know, schoolwork and, and school is really starting to be affected by this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I deal with the neck and the back pain. If I don't have a migraine, I have neck and back pain. So oh it's like, yeah. So I'm dealing with both of them. And like I said, the brain fog it's memory loss, loss of concentration. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell me something, mm-hmm. I will completely forget it. Or, you know, we're talking about something, I kind of lose track of what we're talking about because I can't remember. Yeah. And that wasn't something you dealt with before this whole, this whole thing started, right? No, I never had it. I never had, like I said, the migraines and the brain fog. I was a 16-year-old, 17-year-old athlete just – yeah doing my thing. I never thought something like this would ever happen. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's crazy. Um, do you, what are you going to school for? Business and entrepreneurship. That's my degree. That's awesome. That's cool. But definitely like not a simple degree to be, to be going through and having five migraines a week. Are you, do you have any, like, I know you said you're still trying to figure out pain management, but do you have any like things that you do that kind of help with the pain or is there anything you you can do or are you still working through that I have a stem machine I think it's called a tens unit that okay. I use for my neck and my back mm-hmm. when the pain is really bad but for the migraines I either have to lay down mm-hmm. and the migraines are I wake up with them yeah. and I have them till I go to bed it's just they're not really going away but what does actually help is coca-cola really interesting yeah yeah, the caffeine, but I don't drink coffee, but I know Coke is not good for you, but yeah. I rather deal with that stuff later on than mm-hmm. the migraines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing in comparison to you, but 
um, I get occasional migraines and they used to be a lot worse when I was younger. And one of the things that I swore on was, um, Mountain Dew, which is so it's not good for you. I don't, I try not to drink it anymore, but at the time, you know, when you're having that consistent, incredible pain, you're, Mm -hmm. you'll do pretty much anything that'll, that'll help alleviate some of that. So. Right. And it's not even the migraines, like the migraines cause dizzy, nauseous, I now have this thing where if I stand up for more than 30 seconds, my legs start tingling. Before the surgery, it was my arms. Mm -hmm. And then after the surgery, it moved to my legs. That's so strange. Yeah. And the doctors that you're working with don't don't really know why that's continuing or? Mm -mm. No. I have a neurologist now that I'm using and he had me on Amovig. Have you ever heard of that? Mm -mm. It's a new shot. So it's a shot that goes into your leg or your stomach and it's mm-hmm. going to block that nerve that causes the migraine. Sure. I did it for three months and I had no relief. He says, oh, 97% of the people get relief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, we've tried so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, I have multiple neurosurgeons, multiple neurologists, and they just have not been able to help me. Yeah. Yeah. That's so frustrating. It is. That's the hardest part. Just not knowing when you will get better. And I think the hardest part also is not knowing if tomorrow I'm going to have a 10 out of 10 migraine. Yeah. That's kind of the scary part because you know, you have so much to do in a day. Mm -hmm. And if you have that type of migraine, you're not getting 20% of the things done. Yeah. And it's hard to do like plan anything. Mm-hmm. You know, like anything, even just fun things. It's kind of hard to plan hanging out with friends or doing something yeah. for yourself when you're not sure if you're going to wake up in excruciating pain or not. Yeah. And you don't want to cancel on them either. I had yeah. <clears throat> my, my group of friends, they've been very supportive, friends and family ever since that I first got diagnosed. Mm-hmm. But you know, one thing I noticed with all of them is they kind of don't understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them will take the time to read research it, but you hear Chiari malformation, you have no clue what that is because I think 200,000 cases per year. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's not that common. Yeah. Um, but everybody knows what cancer is and, and they know. And so that, that was my biggest issue is they would not understand that when I go to school, I have such a bad migraine, Yeah. but they think I'm just like them normal living life, but I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know about you, like having migraines sometimes, I think people throw around the word migraine a little Mm. too much. And um, I think that people can have really bad headaches, but until you've had a migraine, I don't think that you can even understand that. So like even outside of your full issue, like just even just a migraine, some people don't truly even understand like what that feels like. Mm-hmm. It, a migraine and a headache is two different things. Yeah. And people really need to understand that because I get pressure headaches on mm-hmm. top of all this because mm-hmm. of where the surgery was, it was in the back of my head. Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure built up there. Mm-hmm. So some days if my neck is bothering me, I have a pressure headache. Okay. And I can deal with those. Mm-hmm. But some days I have the migraine. Mm-hmm. So they're very different. They're two different things. And I mean, when people just throw around a, 
oh, I have a migraine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I need to go lay down. I'm, I'm feeling so sick. I hate this. You mm-hmm. just have one migraine in like two months. Yeah. I, mean, I get five a week. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. It's hard. I've noticed with myself, um, my fiance got sick a couple of months ago and I struggled for a little bit because he was sick in his own way, but it was hard sometimes because I feel like I, if it's hard to compare how you're feeling to how someone else is feeling and kind of vice versa. So I think that that's, that can be difficult sometimes, but um, so you said though, that for the most part, your friends and family do try to, to, they try to understand as best as they can. Yeah. And with me now spreading so much awareness about Kiari, they're starting to understand more. You know, when I first got diagnosed, it was like, okay, you have this. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. I'm not going to look into it. I'm not going to see. Um, yeah. My mom had, was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 16. Okay. So at that point I had, you know, softball and that was kind of my escape. But yeah. An example, my friends did not understand what I was going through. Yeah. Out of my whole friends group, even softball, my softball team, I had one person whose mom had cancer. Mm -hmm. So her and I could relate on a different level. We could talk about things that other people just had no clue about. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with Kiari. Mm -hmm. I, the amount of people that I find with it is maybe like three that I know and I've talked to. Yeah. You don't see them walking around the street and saying, I have Kiari or you just know them from school and they have this. It's not common. Yeah. It's an invisible illness. Yeah, it is. So I know you said that you, you know, just a couple of people with it, but do you, have you made any type of connections with them or for the most part, just kind of just, barely found people kind of in the same community just barely found people in the community I actually like using the Facebook groups Mm, um, that like Kiari or chronic pain there's actually one for the shot I told you about Amovig oh really yeah and I like seeing what other people are going through so Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like it's not just me yeah you know yeah Um, and a lot of people said the side effects to this shot then that was a reason why I kind of stopped too. It wasn't helping first of all. And the side effects were horrible. Yeah. So, you know, going to that group and being able to comment my experience, other people will comment theirs and we can chat that way. Mm-hmm. So I really like the groups. Yeah. Yeah. Those are very helpful. Yeah. Have you, have you noticed with those groups though, some that I struggled with was, um, Sometimes they made me feel worse just because they would be so negative. Like I might be feeling super good, but I think, I think it just depends on the community that you find. Like I just needed to get out of those types of groups because it would actually make me feel worse. Mm -hmm. But then when I found good groups where people were sharing how they were feeling and they wanted to connect like that was definitely beneficial in my healing. Right. Yeah. I see that throughout the group. I always, you always see negative comments. Yeah. And you know, for me, if you're in a group like that, you should not throw negative comments out. You know, we're all struggling with something and you should support one another. When Mm -hmm. I see someone say, Hey, I'm 22 or 20, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm starting school and I'm really struggling. I will always comment or maybe send them a message on Facebook Mm -hmm. to let them know that I'm experiencing it too. I'm at this age, I'm 21. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So it's, it's difficult with school and also the business. So I try to find people that relate to me, but I will never put a negative comment out there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That actually kind of goes into, I had a question from someone on my Facebook group actually, who asked, um, what area of your life do you feel has been most impacted by your diagnosis and how did you handle the negative impacts? I honestly think softball was, yeah. um, because that was everything to me. Yeah. You know, when you start at four years old, Mm -hmm. that's all, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we spent weekends on weekends traveling. I think in like nine years, we had two weekends free. Oh my that was probably <laughs> the holidays. Yeah. Um, but I actually have a, one of my favorite quotes, and mm-hmm. it's softball related. It's somewhere behind the athlete you become and the hours of practice in games is the little girl who fell in love with the game and never looked back. Mm. That is one of my favorite quotes. Because if I didn't have softball, I, I don't know where I would be. Yeah. It molded me into the person I am today, dedicated, honest hardworking, and it just created incredible memories. That's mm-hmm. one thing no one can ever take from you, your memory. Yeah. yeah. So I really think that softball was the biggest effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it affected all different parts of your life. Like you're saying, like it was, it was beneficial for you when you were going through really rough times with family members and it's a great way to gain community. Like I, I never played softball, but I was in a few organized sports and it definitely like, it teaches you so many things and it gives you this community of people that you're, you're all going toward the same goal. And that's definitely something, um, that's something that's hard to miss. And if you put basically your whole life toward that and then that's taken away, that's, that's super, that's super difficult. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, the softball girls, that was my family, the parents, that was, you know, the second family that Mm -hmm. you always want to have. When you're on a team for so long, it's a, it becomes a close knit team. It it is a family. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually coaching now. I was just going to ask you if you're, if you're involved in any way, if you've been able Mm -hmm. to do that, that's good. When I can, which is, not a lot. Yeah. But, um, I'm coaching at the high school and the travel level. So ages 12 to 18 is a travel and high school, I think is 15 to 18. So what do, yeah. what do you mean by travel? Is it just um, like literally you're traveling to play games or what does that mean? It's travel ball. So oh. you're on a organization and I'll just go back to when I played. Sure. So what we would do is we would have practices two to three times a week. So Mm -hmm. let's say Tuesday, Thursday from six to nine or five to nine. And then we would have tournaments Mm -hmm. that weekend and it would start Friday Mm -hmm. to Monday. Some tournaments go that long or you'll get Friday to Sunday. Yeah. I've had tournaments go past where you can't go to school because you're still traveling home. (laughs) Um, so that's what travel is. You leave, let's say, to go to Clearwater, Tampa. You leave Friday morning or mm-hmm. Friday afternoon and get up there for your games. And you have about five to ten games per tournament. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's what travel is. And you can go to um, – I've been to Georgia multiple times, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I think one tournament we were going to go to, like, New Jersey. And then the next week 
was Colorado, but I couldn't make it because that's when my mom had the surgery. Okay. So yeah, you travel all over the world. And I mean, there's some people that go global with this to play different. I know some people who go to like, let's say Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. but we just, my team, we stayed in the States. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So you're still, you're still coaching in whatever way, whatever way that you're able to right now. I know you're really busy. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, coaching really fills a hole for me that I feel is missing because you lose something in the blink of an eye that you mm-hmm. never expected. Cause to me, that was a normal day. I'm putting on my uniform with yeah. all my teammates, my 15 sisters Mm-hmm. And normal warm up, everything was exactly the same as the game before, mm-hmm. except that one play. Yeah. Which changed it all. Yeah. So, I mean, I took softball for granted. I say that all the time when people talk to me about it because I never thought something like this would happen. Yeah. I thought, oh, if I have a, a career ending injury, it'll be my ankle again yeah. or a shoulder. Yeah. Um, I never thought it'd be a brain uh, disorder. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of, I mean, you were just talking about being very busy. Do you want to talk a little bit about your business? Sure. Yeah. So the company is called Limitless Medical Logs. Mm -hmm. We provide medical logs for patients battling a health condition who Mm -hmm. need to track their pain and symptom daily and accurately. So for two and a half years, I was building the company. I saw my mom struggled to remember how she was doing and and how the appointments went. Mm. So that's where the idea kind of kicked off when I was 16, 17, and then my health failed. Yeah. So I really started thinking about this. If I need a log like this, Mm -hmm. I know other people do. Yeah. So I just launched when I was 20, so five months ago, Mm -hmm. and we yeah, it's just based on my personal experience, my own health issues, I saw the need for these products. And mm-hmm. I've been helping so many people in the past five months. That's what I've always wanted to do. Yeah, I knew after softball, I'm going to do something to help people. Mm-hmm. But now it's just happening sooner than later. Mm-hmm. So these are logs that people can give to their doctors or so that they can kind of understand explain a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's actually a big thing about it because when I was, I probably saw maybe 10 doctors all together split up pain management, neurosurgeons, neurologists. Yeah. And what you can do with the log is you can take it to every single one of them that you go. So the whole point is there's like an appointment note section and there's a 52 week planner. So Mm -hmm. you fill out every day how you've been doing Mm-hmm. So you're not stressing when you get to the appointment and you yeah. have no recollection of how you've been doing even for the past week. You go a week, two months, six months, the log is for a whole year. Yeah. So it, if I had this book when I was dealing with my health issues, we would have probably saved so much money and so much time. Yeah. So yeah, you can bring it to your doctor and when they see you're taking control of your health, yeah, using this log, they're really going to start paying attention. Because when I go to my neurologist, he just says, okay, keep taking your pills. Every yeah. single appointment, he says that. And then I started bringing my log and I'd say, this is what's going on with me taking these pills. Yeah. I am not 
benefiting at all. And then he'd sit back and take a look. Okay, well, maybe we should try something different. Yeah. Yeah, I think that this would be so beneficial to so many people in the space just because I think that that is pretty normal with someone maybe that hasn't been um, diagnosed yet or Mm -hmm. something like that. And you're going to doctor after doctor. And, you know, even for me, sometimes I'm like, I don't remember how I felt last week. I don't remember Mm -hmm. what I told this last doctor. So it's like, Mm It's a really good way to be able to keep all of that stuff in one place. And then two, just to understand your own health and to take control over that. So you can be like, okay, exactly. this is how I've been feeling. Maybe, maybe something was happening during this time that caused that. So, so yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah. And it really enhances your treatment plan. Like you said, what if you're not diagnosed yet? Yeah. But you're having these symptoms. So when you go to the doctor, they're not saying, oh, it's in your head. It's, this isn't real. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the symptoms laid out of what's been going on. So it enhances the treatment plan. You also can avoid medical mistakes with yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So are you getting some good feedback on it as well? It sounds mm-hmm. like it. Yeah. Yeah. People love it. And I get messages. Thank you so much for creating this. I'm so excited to take control of my health finally. Um, I actually get a lot of people who email me their story and mm. I will read it and I'll yeah. get back to you as soon as I can. But I, I really like hearing other stories, you know, so I feel like I'm not the only one dealing with something like this. Yeah. So yeah, and I've actually had some doctors, when I show it to them, their jaw drops. Mm. They're just so impressed by how organized it is. It's an all-in-one, and it's also less than a pound. So it's not like, oh, I'm lugging a a big book. You're not. It's it's very flexible, and it's, like I said, less than a pound. It's easy to carry around. Yeah, and my purse weighs more than a pound, so that's yeah. definitely something that I could just chuck in there and take. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, you get it. So, yeah. where do you see where do you see this going? Your business? I want it in every hand of someone who's battling a health condition. Yeah, I want every single person to have it yeah. because it has changed my life and it's changing the lives of people who are using it. Mm-hmm. So. If you're battling a health condition, you're going to want to use this because you don't have papers everywhere. You're not, you're going to be less stressed because having a health condition is stressful as it is. Yeah. So now this will take the burden off the doctor's appointment. I I don't even want to go. And I actually got to a point where I would not tell my doctor everything that was going on Mm. because you only have a certain amount of time you forget. And sometimes it's a little scary. Mm -hmm. because you don't know what they're going to say. Yeah. And when you keep getting told, I don't know how to help you, it gets frustrating. Yeah. I remember one appointment, it was just, you know, one of the random ones going to see a new neurosurgeon. I broke down crying the whole entire appointment when that doctor walked in, Mm because I knew he was going to say to me, I can't help you. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And that was probably the point, the worst point where I just was so frustrated. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I might, I think I broke down a couple of times in my neurosurgeon who did the surgery. It's so frustrating when they say, I can't help you. Yeah. Yeah. And this just gives you a little bit of that power back where you can, you can keep track of these things. And even like we were talking about before with the brain fog, I mean, I'll go into the doctor and I'm like, 
shit, what was I going to say? <laughs> like, what, what did I, what was I going to tell them? Like, I, I don't planned even know. it all out before, but now I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or you walk out and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't tell them. Like, exactly. Yes. I, I meant to. So that's such a good, such a good idea. And I think that, I think that it would help so many people. That's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. The brain fog for me is just crazy. I mean, I was walking to uh, class the other day and if I don't take the same route, yeah, I won't remember where my class is. That's oh, how really? bad it's gotten. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I just remembered I had like three essays due by tomorrow, a test due. Yeah. The teacher would say it probably <laughs> twice in the month, but I can't remember. Yeah. So that's why I have to write it down. I have to have a, a journal or something for school to write everything down. Mm-hmm. If not, I'm not completing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think that it would be interesting too, like even for like we were talking about before with friends and family, not necessarily always understanding what we're going through, but um, if they were really interested in learning what you're going through every day, that's, you know, they could look at it. They could see a little bit of like what's going on in your life. Yeah. I mean, I actually have a senior healthcare uh, company that Mm -hmm. purchased the books. Oh, cool want the caregivers to really pay attention to what's going on with that senior. Yeah. Uh, So things like that. I mean, my mom looks at my book all the time to Mm -hmm. see what's really going on and to make sure when we're about to have a doctor's appointment, I write in the appointment notes sections, my questions. Yeah. So she can see as well exactly how I'm doing. Cause I've gotten the point to the point. I just don't tell them anymore that I have a migraine because they, they know it's an everyday thing. Yeah. But when it's really bad, they know when I, I come home, I put my stuff down, I just go right to bed. They know. Yeah. It's, it's 10 out of 10 migraine day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of brain fog, I totally just forgot the question <laughs> I was going to ask you. <laughs> um, I guess, like, one, where do you see yourself going from here? Like, with your business, with just life in general, do you see yourself still coaching? Like, where do you see yourself going in life? And then where do you see yourself going with your illness? How do you hope that that continues to improve over your lifetime? Well, I'll start with coaching because mm-hmm. I don't want to forget the other question. <laughs> I would love to continue coaching, mm-hmm. but it really is affecting my health in a way where if I have a really bad migraine or back pain, how to hit to the girls or, or throw or something when the back pain is so bad. Yeah. So to go with that question, I would like to have this managed. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking for a cure. Yeah. I don't want to be migraine free. Yeah. Everybody wants that, but I know it's not going to happen. So that's why I'm saying that. Yeah. I'd like to have maybe one or two a month. Yeah. And then I can control the other pains. Yeah. Manageable. So, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So to go back to the coaching, I would love to run a program. Mm. I did it once where I was like 19 and I was a head coach of a, a team just for fun and to have my girls keep, you know, playing who weren't on a tra- uh, another travel team. Mm-hmm. But I would like to run a program with 12 year olds, 14, 16, 18, mm-hmm. not just be an assistant. Yeah. I like being in charge. Yeah, I get that. So do I. <laughs> Ask my fiance. He would yeah. tell you that I like to be in charge. So I get oh, yeah. <laughs> and what was the other question? I don't remember. 
Um, I think just like where, where do you see yourself going? So you're talking about it with coaching and with your, with how you're feeling. Is there, is there anything else you hope to continue to grow your business or like, you know, obviously graduating school, things like that. Um, I did forget to tell you one thing with the, oh, sure. I would love to be a college coach because I mm. never got to play in college. Yeah. I would love to, um, coach for any school. I mean, when I was 10, the mm-hmm. head coach of the softball team for university of Florida, his name is Tim Walton. Mm-hmm. And I met him. I went to the softball field. It was like a football game was going on or something. And my uncle graduated from there. So mm-hmm. we would go with him. And I said to him, I will play for you one day. Mm. So my goal was to play for the University of Florida. Yeah. Uh, When I was like seven years old, I'm like, (laughs) this is where I want to play and I want to play my four years. Mm -hmm. So another hard thing about with what happened is a week before the blackout, I was touring universities that were interested in me. Mm. We just got back from, I think I was in Georgia uh, North Florida. So then a week later, the accident happens. Mm -hmm. So that was really tough because I I saw when we were in these, uh, the official tours, I saw how happy my parents were Mm -hmm. that our goals were there. We were achieving it. Mm -hmm. So, um, but to answer your other question, where do I see the business in my life? I want the business, like I said, everybody to have one. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to know about it. Yeah. And there's a reason it's called limitless mm-hmm. because it's limitless. What we can do for your health issues, it's unlimited. Yeah. So I just, I really want this company to help every single person that is out there battling an illness. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of your your overarching goal is to help people and, and give people with chronic illness a voice, even if it's just writing it down, but mm-hmm. it's, that's really well, cool. in the back of the book, there's a mm-hmm. uh, write your story or write your journey. I think it's story, write your mm-hmm. story because yeah. this book is your journey. Yeah. So in the back, you can vent with what's going on, or you can just write like my story, like, hey, started softball at four, 17, I blacked out. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's why I put that page in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love all of this. This is such, <laughs> such good info. And I'm so excited to tell my community about this because I think that there is so many people. I mean, I think even I would ben- benefit from this because I'm going to the doctor all the time and it would be super beneficial for me to be able to log what's going on and to be able to help myself in that way. So I'm like, that's so cool. I'm so inspired by you. It's so, you. so awesome. Um, is there anything else that you, you would like to tell the Chronically Healing little podcast community about before we sign off? I mean, with you just saying that you go to so many doctors and, and you think it's incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. another reason it's a log is because it's therapeutic. Yeah. You have the book right there. You're not stressing about finding all the papers you have or, or even in your notes, mm-hmm. in your phone. It's right there where you yeah. can just flip or have the page open. I have my page open for the week. Mm -hmm. So it's very therapeutic, just writing it. And it's, it relieves your stress 
instantly because you're not like, oh, in a week I have this doctor's appointment. Let me do everything I possibly can to remember. Yeah. And then let's say that's Monday, Tuesday comes. Okay. Same thing. Yeah. No, you, you have the book now to just write it down. And it's just, I think it's an incredible tool for everybody battling a health issue. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even for me too, um, like sometimes just writing something, how I'm feeling, what I'm going through, what I'm thinking about, like once I can get that out and on paper, I can release it. And Mm -hmm. it's not something that's, that's holding me back anymore. And I think when you have a chronic illness or you have any type of illness, sometimes you can feel really held back because you can't live the same life that other people can particularly people around you that you see every day, it can be very lonely. So it's just good in any way that you can to be able to take control of your health, be an advocate for your health and do things that will make you feel good and make you feel like you are doing the best that you can, which is all that you can do. Right. Right. Yeah. I always say to myself that I know this is just a bump in the road Mm -hmm. that I'm going to, I'm going to get over it. And things will get better. Mm -hmm. You know, it does stink that it's at the, I guess you'd say the prime years. Mm -hmm. So I'm 17 and I'm 21 now. So I can't do what my friends are doing. Go out and and they go out and party and and do what a 21 year old does. Yeah. So, but I always think that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. The blackout happened because, you know, maybe softball wasn't my path I should have taken a different path which was creating this company to help others yeah so and then also to add in the book the 52 week log there is a quote on the top of every page Mm -hmm. because when I was really sick yeah I would look at a quote and it would just get me through the day I would look at it in the morning because I'd write down okay I woke up with a migraine or I didn't Mm -hmm. so I'd look at that quote and it would just lift me up for the day yeah. I actually had some people tell me, I think you should just finish school and then start the company or get a job and then start the company. No. That's however long. These people, I don't like hearing from people that, oh, I wish I had the book. Yeah. I want you to have the book. Yeah. So if I waited, however, maybe two more years, two and a half more years, then these, then people who are battling these issues won't have this product. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of people say that to me and I have a lot of support. That's really good. Yeah. Does your family help you out a lot? Yeah. They, I'll call my dad up and say, Hey, I need help with this. Am I yeah. making the right decision on this? Uh, my mom is kind of more of the, make sure everything's spelled correctly. Yeah. <laughs> so I go to them for different things. My grandmother has actually been a huge support since day one. Oh, that's awesome. Because I actually um, played like the guitar when I was younger and and did some singing. I never thought I'd take it anywhere, but she was always there supporting me. Yeah. Saying you can do whatever you put your mind to. Yeah. So I have an incredible family. They're all very supportive and they love getting the interviews and and reading the newspaper. It's it's new to Mm -hmm. all of us, Mm -hmm. media presence, but it's, it's incredible. Yeah. When I first got diagnosed, the first question I asked was, will I ever be able to play softball again? 
because mm. that's kind of the first thing that goes into your head, I guess, when you played at that level. I didn't even ask, like, how is this going to affect me? What's the surgery about? How long is it going to be? My mom was the one asking those questions. I was just sitting there, like, thinking, okay, how am I going to have the surgery and in two weeks play my senior year? Yeah. Because that's when it was. And he's like, this is not going to happen. You're, I'm not going to clear you until the end of your senior year. Because he knew I'd step on that field. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing was stopping me. But then when I had the surgery and I realized the intensity of what's going on back there, I yeah. just, I knew that in my, my career was over. Yeah. So that's, you know, how I handled the, you know, diagnosis, but I still to this day feel like I don't really know what's going on yeah. because it's so like, how is, why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. Yeah, so basically it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much. Anybody that has any questions um, specifically for you, I'll make sure to, to shoot them your way too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love hearing other stories and, and you never know, they might have Kiari. Yeah. They might not just be speaking up right now, but they could have it. You know, I was always scared when I first got diagnosed to talk about it. Yeah. Because I thought people would think, oh, she's weird. She has this issue going on. Um, So, but now I'm so open to talking Mm -hmm. about it because I know it's affecting other people. And some people just might be a little standoffish to say, Hey, I have Kiari. This is what's going on. So I want to talk about it and make them comfortable to talk about this. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great way to start community and to help people, which is like all that you're, all that you're going after. So I love Mm -hmm. that. Cool. Well, thank you for having me. I had a good time.